This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalifa. Mark, thank you for coming back on, man. It's good to see you. Um, thank you. And I, we were talking about the, the premise of your new book. And I think it's, it's really interesting. It's called Personal Socrates. It's obviously by my good friend, Mark Champagne. Um, but but the, like the premise of the book is, is really interesting, and it, and it really stood out to me for the sole purpose of it's not actually providing advice as much as, as it is asking or helping you ask the right questions or maybe even think about questions you never even thought to ask um, and, and actually maybe look inwards for once versus seek outwards for someone else's journey map. And I think everything that exists, especially within the health, self-help industry, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's always been like, hey, here's the blueprint. Here's the, you know, the, the quick 30-day uh, you know, journey to, to your be- best self or whatever the, the case is. And I remember the first concept for me of, of this whole like questioning period was actually reading The Alchemist, because as mm-hmm. you may know, right, like the writing style of Paolo Coelho is very much like that. Yeah. But it kind of leads you on this, uh, this road or path, but you're the, the central character and you're trying to figure out how this applies to your personal life. Totally. So with that starting point, what was it about this concept that made you want to actually write this book, Mark? Well... Well, first of all, thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's great to be here. And I mean, I would encourage everyone to listen to the the first episode because I mean, I think we'll follow a natural arc of the actual story, which yes. you know doesn't get to happen uh, that often. I don't think I've ha- I have another show that that's lined up like that because the first interview you got me at a real peak of uh, <laughs> success exactly. with uh, with an app, and I only share that because. It was during that experience of, of launching this this uh, guided journaling app, Keo, that, <clears throat> excuse me, I first realized that we are all one question away from a completely different life or one question away from a, on a business side of things from a completely different outcome. And like to loop back to what you're experiencing with the book, which just, I mean, that just lights me up because I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better response. I mean, because my whole thing with the way this book is set up is that you're going to you're going to stick to the things that feel right to you that and that also seem ex- or approachable and implementable so for me to come out and say hey you have like ask these questions or do these mental fitness practices the first thing you wake up i mean if you follow them they'll probably help in some capacity but it's not realistic that it's going to flow with your life and even more importantly it it's highly un um unrealistic to think that i can predict where the reader is on the other side in terms of their life their relationships their work their personal life like all of that stuff so that's why i feel that's why it's set up in in these profiles and there are people and there are prompts and it's encouraging readers to go through and stop wherever it feels right for them because that's probably where you're at right in your life like a question like who am i i mean that's a huge question depending on where you're at in the journey for example and it's not like it's not for everyone um but then there are other things in there that you can you know start or ease into it that that, that meet you with something that's relatable because i feel like and, and i learned that through through keo because we had you know we had thousands of questions in that app and and fortunately you know we had all these content collaborations got to speak to so many incredible humans and it, the stuff that landed for me was taking the knowledge and being able to apply it in the moment. And I mean, in, 
because life happens if if you continue right and then all of a sudden like we've all done it it's like we've read you know 100 books and like this is great but we've just kind of read them we haven't implemented them right, right, right. and it's just that's kind of the thing with with the society that we're in right now it, it feels better to say like oh yeah we read a, i read a book a day or read a book a week or whatever or a month versus well, what if you just took one and really took your time slowed down and you know learned the material but then most importantly and this is what i'm trying to do through the questions in this one think of where you're at in your life and where this stuff can actually benefit you and if it doesn't move on to something else isn't that crazy and thank you for bringing that up well a couple of things yes we did do a podcast uh a while back and and you know we talked about the evolution of keo so for anyone listening again as mark mentioned Check out that episode and then maybe come back to this one because you'll see the evolution of both sides as an entrepreneur going through the ups and downs and the glamorous and the non-glamorous side of actually building a business and the truth of what entrepreneurship actually looks like, yeah. uh, aside from maybe two or three headlines that you see on, on TechCrunch as an example. Um, and then fast forward here, you bring up a lot of good points. It's funny how you mentioned that because it's so true, man. It's like the metric of how many books you read is today in today's standard more important than what you actually um sort of maybe digest from, yeah. from the material itself, you know, and we're so hungry for answers all the time. I'll give you a couple of things and I, and I want your take on this. Yeah. A buddy of mine calls me up. He's a close friend. Um, and we're talking and, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm going through like a quarterly midlife crisis. Everything in my life is good. You know, work is going great. My relationship's healthy. Everything's fine. But I just find myself like I'm not fulfilled enough. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, thanks for letting me know. What are you doing? And he's like, well, listen, I got this, this book. I'm doing this like course and I'm like, just posing a question for you. Did you ever think of maybe removing certain things in your life versus constantly seeking to add new things yeah. as a, potentially a solution? And mm -hmm. curious for you, Mark, maybe the parlay to you is when you were building Keo, right? Through kind of the, the, up and, the ups and downs. Yeah. What questions weren't you asking yourself that you probably would have now? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a great question. I mean, in retrospect, probably the, the the biggest questions that we should have spent more time on was real honest questions like is does this biz, is this business model sustainable you know what what will it take to make this i mean we probably asked what will it take to make this business model work but like getting really honest and, and i'm going i'm i'm saying that question because what i realized was there's a big difference between saying Yes, celebrate that this app reached 86.9 million people. Like, wow. I mean, most people will never experience something like that. And it's not something that we ever would have predicted. And then you get these features, right? And you get these brand collaborations and these, these press releases. We're covered on Apple, remember? Like uh, Apple's uh, recommendation, like the front page. Yeah. In, in well over 100 countries. It yeah. was insane. But... I put that as the hype and the hype is great. It's great to motivate. It's great to leverage to, to, you know, reach other people or, or make new connections and things like that. But the hype is not a business model. And that's where we went wrong with it. You know, we, we were obviously doing everything possible to, you know, fire this app to be sustainable and, and have a, a sustainable revenue model. But I think throughout that hype, it, it jades you, right? It gives you a false sense of success. 
in the actual business of, of it. So, I mean, I, I definitely would have spent more time, both my, my co-founder and I, uh, we've talked about this, just like really, I mean, you're a finance guy, like really being into the numbers. I mean, the numbers are like, that's, that's where the truth is, right? So, you know, doing that and, and balancing that positive emotion and like the big, the big valleys or where you're dropping when you get hit in the stomach type thing and trying to, you know, balance and, and be somewhat level headed because when you're in the extremes, you're not making good decisions in either side of things. Fear-based decisions are, are not great. You're not thinking clearly you're, you're, you're making decisions based on a survival mode. And then, you know, when you're in those hype stages and, and super jacked up on everything that's going on, it's, I mean, it's essentially the same thing, right? You know, you're not thinking clearly, you're thinking from emotion. So, I mean, that, that's one of the questions um, I wish we would have asked. There, there was one question that, and it's in the book, it's from Scott, <clears throat> excuse me, Scott Belsky, who founded uh, Behance, and, and which was acquired by Adobe, and he's over there now. He, he left this question with me that ultimately was the one that made the, at least for me, that, that, that allowed me to make the decision to, to delete the app and shut the, the company down. And it was, it was something to the effect of, um, do I have as much conviction today as I did when I first presented this idea? And if the answer is yes, then keep going. But if the answer is no, or there's some hesitancy there, which there was on my side at that point, there was massive financial tension, there was mental tension or mental health as well, then, you know, what what Scott says is that it'll be very hard to push through that messy middle that no one talks about in business, where you kind of just like disappear until you hear those tech crunch headlines or, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a a raise or or an exit or blah, 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 or, or some sort of a uh, big level event from that point going back to the initial idea there's the actual journey of creating you know the product the and service the shadow, as yeah exactly and i mean that's where the magic is i mean and that's i'm super grateful for that that um that process or that experience that's where i learned the most but throughout that journey something changed for me that i didn't have that same level of conviction um and now, now that I'm I'm out of it, I can see it's it's most likely because the realization was made that because of of leaving the corporate world and and launching that app and <clears throat> that app and seeing what was possible, I found the work that really lights me up, and it feels 100 percent you know true and aligned to what I want to be putting out in this world. It doesn't mean that 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 path or that app that solution is the only way to do that. And I've, I've come to terms with that. And, you know, the book is just another example of, of being able to work in this space and, and hopefully help others, you know, find their questions. It's the same kind of material. It's the same practices. Uh, it's just presented in a different vehicle and, and obviously, hopefully with some evolution on obviously what, I, what I learned through that journey. But it's getting to that being okay with, hey, that app, you know, it, it, it worked in so many different ways. It worked with its I'm so grateful that you and I, you know, met because of it. And there are so many others, right? But financially it failed. And, you know, that's okay. Right? It's okay. Mm. Dude, well, that, uh, thank you for sharing that and being uh, open about that story. Because um, I, I think, honestly, that there are a lot of 
lessons that can be learned, right? Um, and obviously, in hindsight, it's much easier to, to ponder. And I just wonder, like, it, inherently, was it because you, you didn't know the right questions to ask? Or was it because sometimes as an entrepreneur, you don't want to face the fact that you have to answer those questions? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I think whether an entrepreneur or in life in general, I mean, that's that's the hardest part, right? Is we... and not just for you. It's everyone. Like, I, I go through yeah. that sometimes. I know that I have to be addressing that. And I'm like, God, oh, just another 10 days. Yeah, I'm not ready for it yet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there there definitely was an element there because it it reminds me of a question that I've reflected on a lot that uh, I wish I would have asked a little bit more of. So this is probably going back to your 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 other question, but what am I pretending not to know? Right, right. You know, and we that's a great we, way to put it. Exactly. We can, right, we can do that, and we can frame that up in so many different ways. You, the easiest one to relate to is like our nutrition uh, when it comes to our personal life, and we know when we're eating garbage, right? But we're pretending that we don't know right. that. And it's not that hard, dude. Like you also know what's healthy. Yeah, right? you have you have to make it so much more complicated than yeah. it should be. Yeah. Know? Well, and we knew. So what? 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 At the end, what we had to stop pretending that, that we didn't know was that we weren't we were not doing well financially and we had to pretend we had to stop pretending that the next iteration of the app was going to be the one that unlocks you know mm -hmm. the flow i think that was the biggest realization because right before we decided to shut that down we had just finished our first round of legit user research and we had a whole product roadmap and all of that everything that you would expect and this research provided tremendous insight and, you know, it felt really good because it's, it felt, okay, it, it felt like it moved from, we created this product originally to scratch my own itch essentially in, in getting this started. And now, you know, at that time we probably had about 200,000 or so active, you know, members in the app and we were getting data obviously, and people were using it and telling us things and stuff. They weren't sticking around obviously as long as we'd like or converting on the subscription. Um, but we had information and insight, but what we couldn't pretend that we didn't know from the past experience was that sure we can set a plan or, or a core or an action plan forward with a another it was a new development team now and put some of this stuff in place but we knew that we had no idea how much that would actually cost and how many iterations you know we have left to say okay you know this is this is the moment where it will it'll become more sustainable and we can have a little bit more predictability in the business mm. now i'm not saying that you know if you're at that stage to 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 throw in the towel and not keep trying but in our situation financially and mentally we were tapped out and it was hard to accept that and it was really like on my side it was it was really challenging because throughout that journey of being in, in mental fitness and, and working with questions and all these people, I, like I said, I realized like this is the space for me. So my backup plan, which was originally, well, if this doesn't work, then I can just go back to my old job or in that industry no longer felt right. And now all of a sudden I'm living in Toronto, Canada. I'm living in a, I'm renting a house that I can no longer afford in an area that was always supposed to be temporary. I have a two year old that, has no idea what's going on, but I mean, there's intense stress between myself and my wife. I mean, we're trying not to show that obviously, but kids pick that stuff up. Um, so there was all this anxiety and fear around 
having no plan forward and having just deleted basically my identity for the last three years and everything that I was putting towards this, this whole space, right? Because all that hype that I mentioned was essentially fueling me. It's like, okay, well, yeah, we just hit, we just got punched in the stomach with some other development challenge or whatever, but, you know, we just co-branded something with VaynerMedia or LinkedIn or Lego or something like that. So it's like you're down, you pulls you back up, but now I don't have that up anymore. Just gone, right, and it, that was like a, high, a little bit of a high, right? Yeah, and that was that was really tough because I mean, like I said, I've never been in a, a position, at least in my life, where I didn't have a really clear plan forward or these are my next moves, and I was crippled by fear, uh, fear that you know financially, like how how are we going to continue here? I mean, <laughs> like what's the what's the exit plan? The exit plan on the on the business was was clear, but now personally, like now what? And that fear, you know, again, you, you don't make good decisions in that place. So I knew that, but I was stuck, right? I was physically sick at that point, waking up. I remember just feeling just like my stomach was turning all the time and just feeling like, oh man, this is this is this must be what it feels like when people talk about hitting that rock bottom. Right. And like, I can see how people slip into really deep depressions from that space. I was, I was, I was probably on the cusp of that. Had I not, uh, and this is the reason for the book, had I not paused and leveraged the present moment as, as much as possible, just gratitude and like, Hey, yeah, I deleted this app, but I deleted this app on a laptop that most people in the world don't have. You know, that's pretty, you know, that's something to be grateful for. And I'm in a co-working space in Toronto you know, the lights are on, there's great people in here, there's free coffee. I mean, you know, there's, there's things to be grateful for all the time. And that that gave me enough space mentally to pause the, the other narrative that was looping, right, which is all the doom and gloom, and then ask one question, which changed my life in that period, which was, what do I want for my life? And then that led to the next question, and the next question after that. And that was the realization that, you know, wait a second, we're I haven't stumbled across like something that's uh, completely uh, a unique concept. We're all asking questions. It's just, are we asking the right questions? That's the key, right? And from all the interviews over the years, you know, the people were on the other side were asking very different questions. They're asking questions that progress you forward. And a question like, what do you want for your life? I mean, you have no choice but to think about that and get excited about it. Okay, I want this sure. and, and that. And like my ideal day would be this. Not to say that you're going to get that, you know, right in that moment. But at least there's the hope came back. You know, right. the hope was there. Then that, you know, led to some motivation and some drive and, and other questions and putting a plan together. And, and 65,000 words later, here we are. <laughs> well, dude, it's... Uh... I mean, even as you were explaining that, I, I could feel the anxiety, you know, and, and I felt it. I felt it similarly, you know, and I've, yeah. I've gone through depression. I think, to be honest, I think probably everybody has, yeah. whether they know it or not. And, and it's varying degrees, obviously. Yeah. You know, you have like severe clinical depression. I mean, obviously, it can fluctuate. Of course. Um, but what you're describing is very instrumental. And I picked up on something. I don't know if it was like something you, you really were. Um, where we're very intent on thinking about, but when you said like, listen, when I deleted the app, I know it was, it was maybe, maybe to the outside person, like someone could look at you, like, let's say a Gary V kind of character and like, all right, battle through and whatever. Not that that's always his advice. I know yeah. he says like build the self-awareness, but you said a word called it is, it was right for my situation. Yeah. That's an important question too, right? 
without maybe knowing it. Like the question you asked yourself was, is moving forward with this app and getting out with another iteration and spending more money and burning living in Toronto with a with a practically a newborn, like a two, three year old yeah. uh, child, like was is that the best priority for my situation? That's a very critical question as an entrepreneur that doesn't get asked a lot. And it's because you're you're surrounded by different levels of what the standard should be. So another standard for what should be in your scenario could have looked very different should you open your Instagram and see someone battling through it and living on a sleeping bag and you know eating craft dinner in a basement in Brooklyn. And then you mm-hmm. look at that and like fuck well why why can't I why shouldn't I do that? You yeah. know and that and that kind of feeds the hole even even more and you're just digging yourself down and and so I'm I'm one I'm, I'm glad you didn't go through that route but I, I just think for a lot of people listening that could easily happen. Of course. Uh, so what a critical question to ask yourself also. Well, it's, thanks. I, it's, and I think the only reason I was able to answer that with somewhat of a, of a clear answer was I had spent some time doing reflection on, you know, the path that felt right for me, right? Like there was a, there was a bigger vision. There was always, even with Keo, there was always a bigger vision. It wasn't just an app. It was just being in the space and, and, and working towards being some sort of, sort of a, a leader or guide or teacher to help people make this stuff more approachable right and that didn't change and i think dis- being able to disconnect the one product on that journey with there's a whole host of other things it can do to still you know accomplish that mission or that vision of of of, of the work that i want to be doing so it's okay that you know we let this one go hurts like hell obviously and like i said i mean i didn't, I didn't feel very good about it and we had a team and you know, we also had users that like, this isn't a travel app. This is a journaling app where people are putting some serious emotion and, 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 uh, you know, stories in and like, we're now having to let those people down. And I'll never forget the meeting we had. Cause we, we always planned on having an, an export feature of some sort, but we didn't have it yet. And we said, you know what, legally, we don't ne- technically have to provide anything, but as humans, we, we have to do something. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be like what we planned, this beautiful flow and stuff. But if we're going to email every user and say, hey, within in a month, we're, we have to shut this down, which means we're deleting the servers, which means your data is gone. Here's how you can at least export that and have it somewhere, you know, and that... I mean, we didn't have the money for that. We didn't have, you know, and that in itself was challenging to pull off. But I think you have to follow your intuition uh, at some point. And that was the that was the proper human thing to do. Right. Hmm. Interesting. I actually didn't even think about that. Like the the fact that you're right. I mean, it's basically someone's journal. You know, let's say I've been using Keo for the past, I don't know, two years. And I want to look back at my progress. All of a sudden, three weeks later, the app's gone. I'm like, oh, what? where is this? Yeah. You know, so, but what a good also reflection to do as a, as a founder and CEO of, of a business, right? I think sometimes it's not just always about the financial aspect. It is about your reputation and your legacy. Even though things didn't work, I'm still putting you first. And you know what? Here's me, without me telling you, here's me really showing you that I, I did all along the way. We really cared about you. Uh, and yeah. we not only cared about you as a user, we cared about your mental well-being, which was the whole kind of moral compass of, of why this thing existed. 
Yeah. You know. Well, and I think people sense that. I mean, after that, you know, before I started working on the book and, and some of the stuff I'm doing now, I started doing some consulting uh, work around this space. And those gigs came from people that received that email, essentially, mm -hmm. that were on the other side working on other products in that space. So, I mean, that wasn't the intent of the email, obviously, but I think, you know, people... I I just live my life like this. Like I feel like you you can't you can't lose if you're if you're a kind human, and we you know often forget that in you know charged situations. Let's just say, but if we can like pause and slow down a little bit, and step back and be, you know what I'm going to lead with kindness on this, and just be uh, someone that you know my kids and my my parents would be proud to be. You know, if they're sitting on my shoulder, we'd be proud of that reaction. Exactly. Then you know. Every, everyone wins. A hundred percent. And and so the one thing I did want to ask, so at this point, you know, you hit rock bottom, you start asking kind of the, the, the right questions. Um, and one quote you had in the book in the summary that you sent me, and I'm, I'm excited to get the copy, obviously, but um, there's kind of a quote from you. It says, we all ask questions, but are they the right ones? Are they the best ones? And are we asking enough of them? Yeah. When you hit that rock bottom, what sort of questions were you asking yourself to come out of that? Uh, and as a parlay, like, w w was it a question that led to you saying, you know what, why don't I just kind of package this into a book that not only can help me, because I'm sort of journaling at the same time. Like, it's it's both of a self-help mechanism for me at this point in time, but also so many people are probably going through this as well. My situation isn't unique. So, yeah, why don't I document and actually distribute this to the world? How how was that actually? Yeah, well, you you nailed it. That's exactly what it was. It was just again coming to the realization that you know when I was in that really tough place, that well, wait a second, there's over 200 interviews over the last you know few years on the podcast, and that was integrated into the app of just really exceptional humans that you know I look up to and others, and they've left me with all of these reflective questions, and you know so I started working through some of this stuff, and. Like I said at, at earlier in the conversation, just for me, I stumbled upon the ones that felt right at that moment. Like that's what I mean about you know well-timed questions. You know, I I could have picked up a guided journal, and you know, let's let's take something like the five-minute journal, right? Great, you know, some great stuff there. A lot of people know about it. It's a great routine, and, and it definitely can help you. But I needed a little bit more than the five-minute journal in that situation. Like I needed some serious, uh, some serious guidance and something Soul that. Searching. Yeah, exactly. I needed some stuff to get real clear, so that because I, I firmly believe, and this is why the book is structured in this way. I firmly believe you have to get clear first. So when you're in those situations, and and any even whether they're big or small, like whether you're working on a new project, before you can be intentional with your your actions. You have to know where, you know where you're going or where you want to go. So I had to do that for my life, which was that question of what do I want for my life, which then led to other questions, right? And then you start, you know, you start deploying the the mental fitness framework to continue that questioning. For me, it's journaling, but it was a combination of when uh, those looping thoughts would come up. Well, you know what? I know if I do three minutes of breath work, that'll pause that right away, and I can get back to being clear and release that shit right and get back into it then i can put a plan together which is essentially to design you know my life in terms of where i want to go and start working towards it and have that as like a guiding beacon and then when, when you have those two sections in mind or those two 
those two core steps, uh, which the third part of the book is, is unlocking exponential opportunity. And that just happens by default because now you're clear, you're doing the things that are leading towards where you want to, where you want to be. We all, we've all experienced this all of a sudden the right people start showing up. You know, you get that email with the opportunity, someone calls like that stuff starts to, to happen. And you also see where you need to go. And I saw it with the book. I, I mean, I was talking uh, with a friend that was running, a, well, he runs the publishing company that is ultimately uh, offered to publish it. And it all started three years before when I was looking for a print partner for the app, because eventually we wanted to be able to export people's journal into nice, high quality, you know, print product. Didn't work at the time. I understand why. Um in terms of what you know what their capabilities are for custom prints but then i was explaining the whole journey and what happened and the questions i was asking and and the book that i was working on and he said well you know what we've been in this business for about seven or eight years we've always wanted to publish books would you be interested in joining up with us and we can publish this book in the style like in terms of the quality of their their notebooks which which like lay flat and the pages are thicker and there's you know just not, I was a fan of the brand and it was a hell yes because I was super I was super clear on where I wanted to go and I knew exactly where I didn't want to go for example so that's what I mean by this stuff like then you have those conversations you know it's not like they they just show up in, in thin air Magically. but yeah but had I think had that that reflection not taken place, it probably would have showed that conversation would have went in in a different light. It would have went in a different direction. It would have been, okay, cool. Let me let me think about that a little bit. Let me get back to you. And and who knows? I, maybe it would have ended in the same place. But it was just yes, absolutely. Let's do this. Like how do we how do we get started? Type thing. I think that can sh- that that situation can show up in our lives across the board if we just put a little bit of training into our, our mental fitness doesn't take much, but a little bit of that, that pause, whether it's the morning or whenever it works well for you, whether it's maybe it's 30 seconds while your coffee's brewing, you're, you know, setting a one word intention for the day. I want to feel motivated today. And then you, you've, you've set the course for the day, just that alone without, instead of starting with just jamming an email or, or picking up your phone or whatever, You've already won within 30 seconds of your coffee or tea or whatever you do in the morning. So, you know, day by day and kind of minute by minute, the more you're doing these things, then things become more clear. You start seeing, you start seeing questions. You start seeing things that, you know, you should be thinking about or asking or which direction to go. And um, it just makes for a hell of a more pleasurable experience. Question for you. I mean, you, you're kind of starting to answer it, but I, I was going to ask you. I think that personally, what I've experienced and what I've heard others experience is that you know, one step is kind of knowing the right questions, asking enough of them, as per your quote, of course, and it's exactly what you're saying. Designing that life that, that you're that you're really, really intentionally are are happy about, fulfilled by. But when you have like, it's it's great now because we're paused right now. I feel like every time I do a podcast, I'm in like a bubble. I'm away from everything, yeah. you know, I'm like with you and I'm, I'm really sucking as much information as I can from you. And I'm just listening. It's the best time in my day, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I'm the same as you. There's nothing that depression. charges me more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I learned so much, actually. Um, then I think I'm like, all right, as soon as we, we hit stop record, 
everything gets crazy again, right? And it, maybe in a good way, like work gets busy, I have to go to laundry, I have to do this, I have to see my fiance after, like there's all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And when the day is so busy, you, you kind of touched on it, right? Take a pause, even if it's five minutes. I'm curious with you though, what's your prescription that you found work best for you? Again, to, as a caveat, this works best for Mark. I'm not saying this yeah. is what everyone should yeah, do. Thank you. But, but just saying, what have you seen or tried that you're really like, wow, I've actually found a system that works to sit down, ask the right questions and really contemplate on what it is that I'm trying to search for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, great caveat because it, it, you're right. It, it has to work for you. And I don't think there's uh, prescriptions that are, are generalized. I shouldn't say that. There, there definitely is. Probably is. Like a five minute journal, to your point, was a good example. You know, yeah. it works. But it, does it work for, for you at this point, right? Totally. But I mean, I would say that the thing you can't go wrong with is doing something in the, the first thing in the morning. And there's, you know, I know there's there are some people out there that aren't morning people. And I'm not saying you have to get up at five in the morning uh, to do this. Uh, there's a reason for that, though. The earlier you, you get up, the more likely that you'll succeed at it because life hasn't happened yet, Right. So I get, you know, what's worked for me and I've been doing this even before the Keo days. And the reason I'm so excited about the space, I've been getting up at 534 every morning, weekends aside, uh, for about 10 years, essentially. 534? 534. Don't ask me, George, why 534? I'm sure I read that somewhere. (laughs) Someone said, yeah, just make make it, make it, uh, you know, instead of 530, like make it off a little bit. So what if for whatever reason, that's, that's the number I picked. And, uh, and I've been doing that now what's changed. So that's been the consistent and I don't enjoy getting up. Like I'm not jumping out of bed every time for in, in that case. And I know when it's, when it's super hard to get up, then it's a flag. Well, some, I did something in the evening that caused that wake up to be challenging. And then that's data, that's insight, right? Well, well, like did I, did I have a couple glasses of wine or something or did I stay up too late, whatever. But it's, it's information to, to shift for another time because I spend about an hour every morning uh, at that time on physical fitness and mental fitness. And what happens in that time frame always evolves. But the key is that the time frame is always there. So one, one, one morning may might just be a a walk you know a walk with a podcast or a walk in silence whatever you know feels like uh, right at the moment other times it might be like a peloton spin or something a little bit more aggressive or weights or or whatever but there's some sort of movement involved and then after that basically what's that so you wake up you listen to your body first and then you figure out what's right for that morning regardless you're still waking up yeah exactly and then, and then it gets into uh, the reflection period and taking some some time. Whether that's journaling, sometimes I do a pen to paper, sometimes I do it uh, in an app. Um, it doesn't matter because I mean the and and this is something I learned over the Keo experience. You know the the tool is less important than the actual practice itself, which is reflection. So, you know, if we can disconnect from this feeling of I need to see all these journals lined up, you know, that, you know, I want to review that at one point in your life that you probably won't review. Maybe you will, but on average, probably won't. It's more that you want to kind of see them all lined up like that. But then, you know, if you don't have that journal with you, if you're traveling or something, then you don't do the reflection. I mean, that to me is, is a worse uh, scenario than 
having the perfectly ordered list of books, right. Or, or notebooks. So I, you know, I just, I, I, I drop that one and just whatever I need, whatever feels right in the moment and go for it. And it happens in the middle of the day too. If something comes up and like rocks me emotionally, all right, I'm going to take 30 seconds. I'm just going to write out what's bothering me. And then I'm whatever I need, I'm going to flip into some sort of gratitude state and then I'm back in it within, you know, within a minute versus going down this loopy narrative of like, well, why did they talk like that? Why did they respond or why didn't they respond? Blah, blah, blah. You can stop that stuff, right? You can pause it. But it's the morning practices that train you to do that. I wasn't always doing that. It's it's the consistent getting up and doing something for my mind and body every single morning of the of the work week essentially right and then so sometimes and it doesn't have to be quite structured right like i just want to preface the fact that when you open that journal because I'm, I'm just i can hear people's voices and again I, I, as yeah you probably have obviously having been in this space for so long um people are like all right well i opened the book and i'm like i don't know what to write one of the, the best things i learned taking a, a creative writing course at uft was we, we always did this practice it was kind of journaling weirdly enough and i never even thought about it that way but our, our teacher would ask us with going home every single week, we have to present, I think it was just a one pager on Word doc. Yeah. She basically would ask us, count your phone, set a timer for five minutes and just write unobstructedly. Yeah. So wh- whatever came to mind, it didn't have to be like, you know, um, kind of like a self-awareness or whatever came to your mind. It could be a funny story on the subway. It could be a, a dish you just made, anything that you want. And totally. that practice was like kind of weird for me. You know, being in fine, like really tapping into that creative, like yeah. non-rigid world. I'm like, wow, really? I can do that. I don't have to put a date. It doesn't have to have a subject. You know, like the body. She's like, oh, just write. Go crazy. Yeah. Wow, yeah. we can do that. She's like, dude, who told you you can't? You know. Of course. Well, and that's there's. Uh, if people want more on that, there's uh, probably the the expert in that free writing space is Julia Cameron and Morning Pages, and Julia, uh, Cameron? Julia Cameron. Yeah. And her big thing, like Tim Ferriss talks about that and others and whatnot. And it seems like the magic formula for long form writing to really get past the surface level stuff is doing it, uh, writing for 15 minutes, once for 15, 15, one, five, five. which still feels like a long time. Um, So it might be daunting for some people, but, and I don't do that all the time. I mean, I, I reserve that sometimes on, you have to feel it. Right. And um, but if you do it consistently and you try it and you're open to it, it starts to become easier and easier for others, though, that want some help to get started in this stuff. What I would recommend is put in five or 10 minutes of reading of, you know, learning something or some knowledge, whether that's books, podcasts or TED Talks, YouTube videos, like whatever, but some positive information and something that's going to teach you something. And as soon as you hear something, that resonates with you based on where you're at in your life, pause that content and start writing about that. Be like, well, what is it about that thing that I just heard that, that lines up with where I'm at? How does that make me feel? What can I do? You know, where can I go from here? That's, that's when, and that goes right, you know, full circle to what we're talking about, like consuming, you know, quantity of books versus quality. It's when you stop and, and take that knowledge and then flip it into some sort of uh, applicable situation. Then, then it sticks, right? Then it sticks and you can pull that whenever you need it next. So that's why I like questions. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's 
a bit of a curse as well. Like when I read stuff, it, it, it everything flips into question <laughs> in some capacity. So you're just generally curious, right? And I like your point about taking it slow. That's important. But another maybe challenge is like you see how daunting it could be. And there's a question for you coming up. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming like writing a book, again, to a lot of people seems maybe seems easy for those who have never thought about it, right? I'm not, yeah. for anybody who, who just even for 1% thought about writing a book or know someone who did, understands how difficult it is. But for the women listener who's never thought about it, they're probably like, okay, how hard could it be to write 200 pages, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's much more challenging than it looks like. Try writing five pages that, that, that you would confidently present to the city that you live in. Think yeah. of it that way. You know, and then you're going to be much more careful about your words. But curious for you, Mark, like having a, a project of that magnitude, right, where there isn't a short-term incentive, you don't know how it's going to turn out, you don't know what the reception is going to look like, and you're going to have to do this probably for the next 12 months or whatever deadline you gave yourself. Yeah. You know, and you're going to have to do it consistently at a set time. You have to be creative almost every single day. And, you know, that, that's not easy, dude. It's not easy. Sometimes it's not fun. So how do you parse a project that large and do it consistently every single day or whatever your cadence was? I'm not sure if it was daily, yeah. but just yeah, it was, it was daily. Cause I mean, essentially I was, you know, I had other work uh, that was paying the bills. Obviously the book wasn't paying anything. Yeah. Um, so right after finishing the, the physical and mental fitness, essentially that was my writing time. And I would write until 9am or 8.30 or something like that before starting the other work. And again, just looking at knowledge, like looking to the people that had been on the podcast, like James Clear and, and other authors that, you know, I've been studying how they wrote their books and, and how they approach this stuff. And it's just, it's like anything, just breaking it down into smaller chunks to the project, right? Like knowing that to get to the first draft, which was the first milestone, it wasn't this physical copy of the book. It was get a first draft out it's going to take writing every day and it's going to suck at times. It's going to feel good at other times, but being kind to myself along the process or the journey and trying to enjoy it. Right. Uh, versus like being met with resistance, for example, you know, something that I think you, you and I were involved with the, the guys over at ABC business Academy, yep, uh, yep. back at, I think it was Ryerson. They were, they're hosting that. Uh, there were a few people that had asked me, obviously not about the book, but just the journey in general. And, you know, these are these are young kids just getting started. And my advice always was enjoy it. Like you only get the, you only get this first experience in this specific project that you're working on once. I'm only ever going to write my first book once. once. So instead so of, yeah, instead of waking up and be like, oh, I don't know what to write. I don't know what it is. You flip into the gratitude. Wow, like I get to do this, right? I'm figuring this out. And then I was relying on, like I had great people surrounding me, some that I knew, some that I didn't, like Tim Ferriss. And I mean, James Clare I'd interviewed, but like Tim Ferriss is someone that um, I've learned a lot about just in writing styles and things like that. But then my editor, you know, she just constantly, you are not writing for quality on the first draft. It's all quantity. So just write that down. And I had a little cue Parse card in out. front of my monitor. Quantity, not quality. And that's hard because like when someone else is gonna, you know, about to look at your stuff and you know that it's not written well or it's just you know, some of the thoughts don't even make sense. They're just, they're starting points. I mean, it's hard to, to accept that. 
but the more I heard it, the more you know easier it, it was because I was hearing that over and over again about a first draft. So it just kept going and kept going. And, and thankfully, at least in my case, I'm the stuff I was writing about, I was able to leverage during the process, like leverage, you know, how you can use affirmations. And, you know, I'd have other cards like I would write, write as if I'm, I'm speaking to a friend about this stuff. Right. And that that gave me enough of a, a boost or direction for that morning or you know, things like when it didn't feel, again, coming back to just how I, I do the, the mental fitness every day, if it didn't feel right, you know, starting a new profile in the book and writing it, you know, from start to finish and I was stuck, well then stop trying to force that and go outline another one. Mm-hmm. You know, one that I know maybe was a little bit easier or one that I had just done the research, for example, because there were pro- like Robin Williams is one of the profiles in there that was really hard to write. And I just, I, I think I went back to that three or four times Kobe Bryant was easier there was really good information there and then like I was really vibing with it so I went back to that one and just to give your mind like the mental uh the the, the micro wins in the process right to keep you motivated mm-hmm. and then yeah, eventually just, you get to the first draft exactly and then you end up with a book man dude how, how, how awesome is it to to hold that physical book, right? I mean, after after so long of it being digital and something you're kind of typing away at and seeing it really come together, what was that feeling like? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I remember the moment I submitted the first draft and like my family and stuff like, how does it feel? I'm like, I don't know, it doesn't really feel like anything to be honest with you. But when I got the physical, you know, galley copy of the book and the version you're going to get as well, uh, and seeing, like, again, knowing that Baron Fig as, as a publisher, like, it was it was going to feel different. Like, the quality sure, was going to yeah. be different. It, it's it, interactive, that, too, right? Like, you can you can write in it. And... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's just small things like that. Just no, just given the way that I was always doing reflection, like, stopping and, 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 and taking time to think with the knowledge. Like, one of the big things for me was, it's like, listen, guys, your notebooks lay flat. They stay open. We need this book to stay open like that too. So like there's, there are just small things like that, that, you know, the pages aren't going to be flipping around when you, when you pause to, to do it. So, yeah. So when I got it and it actually, you know, felt and looked like everything that I was visualizing in my mind from the conversations, like that was, that was a pretty special moment. And, and then my, now he's five years old. My little guy was like, is that, is that the book that you've been working on? And he flips it open. And he's like, there's not, there's no photos. And I'm like, no, not this one, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's just a surreal moment to, uh, to see the physical product. And the next one is just, you know, there's nothing that excites me more about like talking about this stuff. Cause it's again, sure, sure. It's a book and I'm, you know, I'm trying to make sure that, you know, people have access to these practices, but it's the same it's the same content and the same stuff that lights me up that I've been talking about for the last five years with the app as well. Right. And then add on 10 years from like personally practicing this stuff. So just so happens to be in a book form right now. Um, but it's the conversations. People, What's that? When can people pre-order? Where is it? Amazon. I just want to make sure we get that, that out here before. before yeah. The official publication date is October 19th. Uh, pre-orders will be beginning of October, I think October 1st, actually. Uh, so essentially as soon as October hits, it'll be available. Um, pre-orders, 
I think we can, we're going to do pre-orders everywhere, but you'll get some special additional like free gifts and stuff. If you pre-order directly from Baron Fig's website, baronfig.com. Um, but it'll be available there. It'll be available on Amazon, uh, audible, as well as, uh, wherever you get your Kindles and your eBooks and stuff like that. So it's all launching, uh, at the same time. My man, October one, nine, let's fucking go. I'm sorry yeah. for you, man. Um, I'm excited, I'm excited to get them for the pre-order too. Um, obviously I'm going to share it out. I did want to ask you one last thing before, before we wrap, but yeah, what was, what was, um, what was maybe a question that you uncovered writing the book that you've never, um, read previously? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, ironically, it would be from Cal Fussman, and he's the okay. first profile in the book, and it's directly related to questions, and it's, how can I ask the best questions? And going through that process, I mean, also shifted how I interview people as well, and just to share a really quick story, I mean, what's behind that question is that Cal, for anyone that doesn't know, he's a pretty legendary writer and interviewer uh, historically for Esquire magazine. He's interviewed like Muhammad Ali and all the U.S. presidents and anyone you can really think of and now has a, a podcast as well that you know, follow, following the same suit. And he shared with me for, uh, for our interview that he never shows up to an interview with a, with a, pa with a page full of questions. He spends the time before, writes every question he can imaginably think about. And then what, right before he goes into the interview, he rips up the questions. And that's how you ask the best quality questions, because you're going in with all of those questions in your mind, but then you're sitting in front of the person and you're present. And the right question surfaces when you're present. And then now you have a flowing, awesome conversations. And that's how you get to those best questions. And I never thought about it in, in that sense. So he, ironically, I was, you know, writing a book about questions, but he really taught me, uh, A, a different style to, to interviewing people, but then also how to trust that you have those questions, right? Just like we, you know, if you can trust the journey that you're on and you're on the right path when you've given that some thought, then you trust that the, the right sign will come. You'll trust that the decision that you're making is the right one. And you'll trust that the, the question that's coming into your mind is the right one as well in work, personal, in, in any situation. If you found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.